What? Oh, oh. Shout. One second, please. Hi, and welcome to episode four of Designated Driver, the podcast about the work and mystique of Adam Driver. I'm Liz. I'm Malia. And today we're going to talk about the report. Do we want to start with some news at the top? I like it. Okay. Is there a new rat report? The rats, yes. The rats are, are so cute. Adorable. We love them. You go to their little cage and they come and they want to come out and they sort of greet you and they yawn at you sometimes, which I think on a body language thing, if they show their mouth or their teeth, that means they like you or they're your friend. Oh, like I, I feel know that. Like they... They know us, and but here's the thing that uh, people who are disgusted by rats might find very disgusting. So uh, when the rat comes, like walks around on you, or mm-hmm. if you hold it, they pee on you. I am disgusted <laughs> by that. All that. That's so. That, why do they do that? It's. I think they're kind of marking you, and also it just seems like when they have to go, they have to go. But it seems like when they get on you. You can expect it. It's not a lot of pee. It's not like a stream of pee. It's like a drop. Oh, there. Yeah, that couple sounds like drops, they're walking you. And then, and then when they walk, it makes kind of a little streak. Oh. So uh, you need to have a tissue. I mean, if you love the rats, you're like, oh, pee, but you just wipe it off and move on. But I'm sorry. Then do you smell like rat pee? No, it doesn't really smell. I mean, maybe it's just not enough. But then I, I, I wash those clothes. Yeah. You know, I'm not an animal. <laughs> <laughs> that's the rat report. They're doing great. No, that's great. That's great. Wow, rat report. I just want to say today, it's still 45 degrees here in Minnesota, but it feels like spring. I've been cold so much this year. I'm so sick of it, but I finally feel, God willing, that we are turning our corner. Okay, so uh, what's some Adam Driver news today? Okay. So I one time looked at this Adam Driver Reddit because I wanted to find a list of the hair products he uses, which you might recall from episode one. I think we talked about it. And so now I get all of these great updates and I happen to know that he has wrapped the Gucci pod or the Gucci movie that he was making with, with Lady Gaga and they someone posted some pictures of him at the wrap party and he's drinking champagne. And he looks very thin, but like cute as a button, I have to say. I, we, are not, we are not a podcast about whether or not Adam Driver is attractive. Well, I guess we kind of are. I will say I kind of went down a rabbit hole of Adam Driver hotness articles this week. It was kicked off by the House of Gucci rap photos that I saw. That's the news I have to share about that. I also posted, I think, my favorite Adam Driver hotness article on our Facebook page if you care to check it out. Oh, I will have to check that out. I saw the photos too because you sent them to me. And I just want to say I'm very impressed that you're on Reddit. That's well, very... I'm not. That's the thing. Like <laughs> I, I just was trying to find, like I said, I, it was all driven by my commitment to understanding his hair regime. Mm-hmm. But now I, I don't think I even signed up for updates, but I get them. Mm, oh, yeah, I don't like that. But I liked the photos. He had a really big, goofy grin. Yeah, he looks happy. Which I love. And he was drinking champagne out of a teeny, tiny champagne flute. But see, I think that gets to the fact that he's a very large person. He looked, he looked yeah. like a giant, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was cute, and we we're so excited. When I was going down the rabbit hole of Adam Dreyer articles yesterday, I also found this article where somebody just 
breaks down all the points in Marriage Story where he's too big for the scene. I haven't seen Marriage Story, but I'm starting to think it might be time for me to see it. But, You're going to have to watch yeah. it for the podcast eventually. Yeah. I was thinking about that. It's one of the major ones. Yeah, I guess at one point he crawls into the twin bed with his son, and he's way too big. And then he's with his mom, and she pretends to pick him up, and then he picks her up because he's like a giant. Or when he's with his lawyer, played by Alan Alda, and they have to go into this little tiny room, and he's too big for the room. Anyway, the champagne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Scarlett Johansson seems really small, she is which so you little. never think of her as small. I think because the so many actors are small. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I like that, and I think his size definitely is something that makes him really stand out in movies and almost make it he seem like he's not an actor or there's just something different about him. Because he is, yeah, physically just so different from everybody else in the room. It would be really cool to see him in person and just really get a sense of his height. A friend of mine saw a play in New York with him in it. Burn This. Must have been. So jealous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's an article about how big he is in that too. Okay. There's a review, I think I mentioned it in one of our previous podcasts, but they were just talking like, what size shoe does he wear? Like he's just a huge person. But I love that. Yeah, let's talk about, (laughs) you sent me a link to an interview on popcorn. So what is popcorn and who is this guy that was interviewing him? Is I he's, think it he's, was he's, Peter Travers. Yeah, is that somebody name? people know? He's a film critic for Rolling Stone. Okay. He's such a dick, though. Uh, and he had a Hitler mustache. So bad. And also was, like, kind of sucky-uppy to Adam. I hate oh, it when yeah. interviewers call the people they're interviewing my friend. Because they're not your friend. You're not their friend. Yeah, I thought Adam Driver, I mean, he was very cordial and polite. And just doing trying to do a good job answering the questions, but I thought maybe I'm projecting my own feelings that he did not really like the interviewer because he was so annoying. I can't stand him. And he made Adam Driver sing with no warning. That's so rude. So I was, It sounded like he had made him sing the last time he interviewed him too. Don't force someone to sing without like some notice. And he's not a singer. I mean, no. he's, he's sung in movies he can sing, but... Uh, this that he pushed that so hard. Although then he sang Leaving on a Jet Plane, which I love that song. Mm-hmm. And then I I guess the result I was happy with because uh, I like that song yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I did, not that he was a good interviewer, but Adam Driver was very professional and cordial yes. in the way he answered the questions. Because I did, I learned a lot. For example, in 2019, he was promoting like 8 million movies, and I didn't realize he'd filmed Marriage Story like two years prior, and then there was like a long rollout with Noah Baumbach. So even though it seemed like he had filmed the report and Marriage Story at the same time that, you know, so I learned some of the timing things, and I thought he did a good job of addressing the challenges and fun of both of the movies. So it was a good interview, but God, Peter Travers, dick. Yeah, yeah. I was I was putting myself in that position if you had to do all these interviews. And um, for myself, when when I meet some people, like you, ha- I'll have a chemistry with them, and I can talk forever with them. But other people, if the chemistry is not there, I feel like I ha- have literally nothing to say. So I mean, some interviews people could think I was really friendly, and then other interviews, people could think I was totally. Silent, yeah, 
Because stuck you up. have to bring more <laughs> to it. I, that's where Adam Driver is a good scene partner. Actors always talk about scene partners, and I, I just, yeah, Peter Driver stuck. And also, just to get back to the singing thing, I almost felt like he was goading him into singing. He was like, well, you're making that movie with Sparks, and it's a musical. Like, you can sing. I've seen you sing, you know? And Adam Driver looks wildly uncomfortable. Towards the end, he's just, like, laughing and... It made me feel so bad. I know. This is not appropriate behavior. I think it's like consent. Yeah. You know, if someone says no to something, just let them say no. Just move on. Don't just keep pressing them on something like that. I mean, he knocked it out of the park. I would have, I would have. a button. I would have froze, never been able to think of a song. I mean, what else did you learn? Rabbit hole. Well, I just thought it was so cute that you could see that he was pigeon-toed in the interview. Like, I have you noticed he's really pigeon-toed? And I mm-hmm. find it very endearing. And it really showed because you could see his whole body in the interview. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, as a kid, was pigeon-toed. And I had to wear special shoes. And they don't do anything now. They're just, they were worthless, but that's what they would do. So I had, like, different shoes in kindergarten, you know. Um, yeah, I love to see him walking. I guess I didn't really identify it was being pigeon-toed, but whenever he walks it's, in a scene, it's he has a it's very kind of funny, yeah, yeah, but likable. Yeah, and and it's sort of incongruous with the rest of his or with his size or something. Yeah. You know, it's maybe it's a little bit feminine or something. I don't know. But. Yeah, I don't know. I realized also I just wanted to mention the reason that I sent you that interview too was because we have talked about his Midwestern work ethic and he goes kind of at length about it. So if you ever get bored, you can look up this dumb guy, Peter Travers, <laughs> but he did an interview when he when Adam Driver was promoting both Marriage Story and The Report, which is how I found it. But at the beginning, he says, it seems like you're working all the time. And he kind of talks at length about this Midwestern work ethic he has. And, and we've addressed that too, but... You can hear it from him. It's like it's lucky for us, for the fans, that he's in so much. I think he was also promoting Star Wars, too. I think he was, too. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're yeah. right. So he's in so much, and so much more is always coming out. So yeah. I feel like we're not going to run out of material. No. So should we talk about the report a little bit? Yes, let's talk about it. Do you, do you want to kind of give, because you've seen it twice now, so maybe you can kind of okay. do the synopsis. Yeah, I'll try to do it. I wrote down the synopsis in the beginning just because it's very I woke up this morning and I was trying to remember the outcome even though I just watched it last night because it's complicated so I throw you I threw you a hard job there so we'll start with September 11th terrorist attack and then the CIA decided to torture political prisoners in secret eventually uh, this uh, guy Dan Jones uh, he's working for Diane Feinstein gets put in charge of investigating this, these enhanced interrogations, they're called. And he doesn't get any classified documents. He just has to read emails, and he gets some documents to read. Anyway, he... And he's housed at the CIA. He gets this private, secure, windowless room with basement. his own computer server. Yeah, so he has to become like a mole person, and he does for seven years working in this basement, being totally obsessed but he does uncover that they were torturing. They sort of made made a legal argument that it it wasn't torture if they were getting 
the information that they wanted. But and there's they, no organ failure. It's not prolonged suffering. That was the... Oh, it's just such a terrible so thing. Like, it so like it's not abuse if you don't see bruises. I mean, yeah, it was uh, absolutely the worst, despicable. And to get totally against international law and everything. And they didn't get any uh, information. And so, I mean, one thing I think that really proved a, a big thing that he found was that they found, had all the information like about finding Osama bin Laden and stuff from other sources. They did not get any unique information from the waterboarding yeah. they were doing. It was, it's unclear if the White House authorized it. It seemed that George W. Bush was unaware of it. Dick Cheney, who seems like... Probably a, knew. Yeah, oh. and, and he signaled it like in an interview. He said, we're going to go to the dark side. So it's, I think it's unclear if uh, just he did that plausible deniability thing that Trump always does where you just say we're going to go to the dark side and then people at the CIA interpret that as okay we can torture now or if he was directly told but I think they try to keep their hands clean yeah I think so too very political movie what are your thoughts on the CIA oh. <laughs> they're up to something you know I was thinking about when we started talking about while we're young the other day, how there's like the pre-Trump era and the post-Trump era. And this movie came out in 2019. So Trump was in the White House. And I just, it just, it took me back to the Bush administration and how creepy Dick Cheney is. And I was, have you seen the movie Dick? Did you see that movie? No, I haven't seen it. So gross. And, you know, they're just as bad. <laughs> that was my... Yeah. It made me feel so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's what I think. What do you think about the CIA? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm no expert. I've seen Homeland. Yeah, uh, they're bad. I mean, this historical stuff, the operations they do that we don't know about, assassinations, I think it's pretty terrible. And they have this license. They were kept saying, if it... We're doing this to save lives. So if you basically can justify anything by saying you're saving lives, I mean, it just seems like there are not a lot of limits. Yeah. And there's a lot of, like, sadistic, crazy shit going on. Yeah. Like, whenever we find out about it, you know, and I don't know yeah. how necessary, you know, this kind of stuff is, but... Yeah, I mean, I think... Pretty shady. Yeah. The movie definitely makes the case that it, the ends do not justify the means because the, the vast majority of the time, as you said, like there's no, there's no useful outcomes to it. And I just, um, I will go back to that dumb popcorn interview, but Adam Driver made it clear. And actually he, I, I watched some other interviews too, and he has the same kind of speaking points, but his speaking point was, we worked so hard on the language that you could throw a dart at any line in the script and it would be true. And I do have to give a little shout out to Scott Z. Burns, who's the screenwriter and was the director because he's from Golden Valley, Minnesota, and he's a golden gopher. I looked, yeah, I looked at his Wikipedia page. He was an English major at the U, which is the same as me. So I always like to call that out. Not a lot of information on him on Wikipedia, but he did uh, Contagion which mm-hmm. was a huge movie for the pandemic. Some Bourne movies, the mm-hmm. Bourne something, not yeah. not the first one. Yeah, I was. I thought he was kind of cool. Yeah. Proud of that guy, kind of a low-profile guy, maybe. 
Yeah, it seemed like he'd worked with Steven Soderbergh a lot. So then I was thinking about Logan Lucky and, and wondering if... I think Logan Lucky came out before the report, right? So mm-hmm. I wondered if Steven Soderbergh, who produced this movie, was like, hey, Adam Driver, like maybe you should work with Scott Z. Burns on this one. Or I, I wondered if there were some sort of connections that got made through Logan Lucky to this one. Yeah, I read some trivia on the IMDb page that Steven Soderbergh and Scott Burns were talking about it, and Adam Driver's name came up right away. I mean, he was a great fit for it because of his intensity, and he was, I, I really enjoyed when he was just getting really manic about, I mean, he was so into this research. At first, he had five people working with him, but then three people, the Republicans on it, quit, and so it was just him and two other people, and then one woman quit because they'd been doing it for years and she hadn't seen her family. So it was basically him and one other guy, He and he's just like, whenever someone comes into the room, he starts... And did you know this? Blah, 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 blah. And they just can't take it. You know, I mean, he, yeah. he doesn't have string on the wall, but he's, there's yeah. a lot of photos and post-its where you get into that manic, just obsession about something and you can't relate to any other people anymore. Yeah. And it, it kind of reminded, did you ever, did you watch True Detective, the first season of, yeah. on HBO? Because it kind of like, he was really into it. And I felt like the other guy was not his partner in that so it felt like the other guy was a little more normal (laughs) yeah he's like this is my job and and then I go home home now yeah yeah and he's the only one who like there's one scene where they sit at a restaurant and he's like do you ever have dreams about this and the the Adam Driver character Dan is like yeah and the other guy's like I dreamed that I was locked in a coffin last night he just seems a little more normal and a Mm -hmm. little less obsessed but you're right. He plays that intensity really well. Yeah. And I mean, we obviously need people like that in the world who will go that deep in something. And he uncovered this stuff and he wrote a, a report that was 6,700 pages long. And then it did get out into the public in a small way. It seemed like it was that tiny statement that Diane Feinstein read in the end was that was it was going public. But then Obama made enhanced interrogation illegal through an executive order as soon as he became president. Yes, but then also there's an amendment that... Cause, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, so maybe on the, the history part of it, there's this... It's a long, painful process. I, I felt that the, um, that the movie was really just about how painful politics are as much as it was about the the challenge of unearthing this information because it goes on and on and on and on. And for much of the movie, it feels as though Dianne Feinstein is just kind of delaying and delaying and delaying. And her assistant has this, does explain to him because she'll say, well, you know, I can't do it yet or I need more information or like I have to wait until X, Y, Z thing happens. And as soon as she walks out of the room, Dan Jones kind of loses his mind and the assistant explains, you know, her name goes on this. This is a political thing. It has, you know, all these things. So it just keeps going and going and going. He keeps unearthing all this information. There's delaying, delaying, delaying. Why am I telling you that? Oh, because then it does kind of show at the end that she does pick the right time and she's able to make it a political act that a lot of people line up behind. And they show you at the end not only is there no enhanced interrogation techniques anymore, but she passes an amendment with uh, John McCain 
towards the conclusion of the movie. And, you know, the amendment is co-sponsored by a bunch of Republican senators and Democratic senators. So in a way, it's a story, too, about good political leadership, which I think in 2019 might have been really made people feel good because we didn't have any. Yeah, well, I think I feel like Nancy Pelosi has some of the same instincts. I mean, veteran politicians Mm -hmm. um, versus like the passion of someone who is young and impatient and wants things to happen right away. Mm -hmm. Um, But people who are uh, really experienced and good at negotiating and just playing the long game. Yeah. Just that how Nancy Pelosi was dealing with Trump. I would have a reaction and then she would do something and I'm like, yeah, that's actually the right thing. I don't know. Do you feel the same way about her? Do you, I know people like her don't, or don't. Yeah. I mean, she's definitely had some tone deaf moments recently, but yeah, I mean, it, it is clearly there is something I would kill myself if I was a politician, but they are, Mm -hmm. they are clearly people who know how to play that game. And also actually, do you want to comment a little bit about John Hamm on that end too? Because I thought his character was really his character is a real person. I can't remember his name. I'm looking it up. So was he a senator? No, he was the chief chief of staff. So he plays... To Bush? No, he plays oh. Dennis McDonough, who is... Oh, here, it's described in this review as the amiable embodiment of moral compromise. Uh-huh. Care to comment, Liz? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Um, he plays Obama's chief of staff, and he there's this whole part where Diane Feinstein's committee is, and I just watched it last night, so it's super fresh in my mind, but they're sitting at a meeting with him, and he's wanting to address all of these other initiatives that the president is, is undertaking, and, and all of the people, all the senators keep bringing it back to the report, the report, the report, and he's finally like, listen, what do you want us to do? We have all these initiatives that we want to pass. We're trying to be a bipartisan, you know, White House, and you keep pointing us backwards to, to the Bush administration, and we need to move forwards, and we need buy-in on immigration reform and gun control and if we keep looking backwards then we can't move forward on these other things and he lays it out in a really compelling way and so then it becomes this question about who are we morally as a country do we need to look back at this do we need to condemn it or do we need to use the political capital we have to make changes for the future and it's really I don't know it was I I learned a little bit more about politics from that. Yeah, I mean, that argument continues today of, like, should the federal government investigate Trump or just move on? And I do think they should just move on. Like, I don't want to hear Joe Biden ever say the name Donald Trump. And, I mean, there's no need, really, because there's there are other investigations that are moving forward. Yeah, and you don't want be the presidency, your own presidency and your own legacy just to be focused on another person. Did you have, were you thinking at all about the John Hamm versus Adam Driver conversation we had a few podcasts ago? Yeah, well, it's fun to have them in the same room since we were uh, comparing them. Tell me what you think about. Well, just, I think we were talking about them as actors and what their public personas were, but I think they wore those archetypes really well in, in the roles that they had where... John McDonough's character is this kind of glad-handing, 
when he first meets Adam Driver, Adam Driver's character is like right out of Harvard and he's working for the Bush administration. And, and he has this way of kind of, he says to Dan, played by Adam Driver, just, you know, go out, get some experience, come back when basically when, when the Bush administration isn't fucking everything up and you can get something done. But he does it in this very suave, polished friendly, glad-handing way. And every time you see him, he's sort of chit-chatting with people and, you know, working the room and working the angles and great smile. Mm -hmm. Adam Driver is very serious and intense and... Almost looks like he's about to explode at any moment, sitting in a corner glaring as they vote on whether they're going to continue with the investigation or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he was a smooth politician guy. Yeah. And... I don't know what Dan Jones does now. Did you look into this? It, at the end of the movie, it said he left the his job or something, and there wasn't really a postscript of, an exciting postscript of, and now he is. He does look pretty serious. I'm looking at him now. You have a picture of him? Yep, he, he looks serious. He's much shorter than Adam Driver. But he has this kind of serious, wiry, driven face. Oh, he left his Senate job after the torturer reports released in 2014. Now does investigations for two DC companies he founded, the Penn Quarter Group and the nonprofit Advanced Democracy. Oh, and he says, the real star of the movie is the Senate report itself, he says. Its conclusion is very clear. Torture is ineffective and produces false answers. Yeah, he seems like a true idealist. Yes, yes. It's interesting to watch how September 11th just changed everyone's life. Like a lot of the people working in government, like Dan Jones, or he hit, he's like, September 11th was my first week of grad school, and then I changed my focus to national, national security. And even the horrible contractors who came up with this, oh. like, bullshit theories about why and how to torture people... That, that was total bullshit, I think. They were just trying to make money. But they're like, after September 11th, I had just retired from the military, but then I needed to do something. Or just everyone, whether it was sincere or not, invoked September 11th as the motivation for what they were doing. I know. They were just dumb. I kept wondering what their motivation was. Like, how do you, what kind of person creates these painful torture techniques? And actually, the Dan Jones character points out that both of them have medical training, but nothing to do with the kind of investigation that they're doing in these black sites with all of these supposed Al-Qaeda operatives who aren't. It just, it's so gross. I still don't really understand what waterboarding is, but I never, ever, ever want it to happen to me. (laughs) Yeah. It was awful. Like, it was clearly torture. Yeah, those two guys. Well, and stuff that's almost grade school level ideas, building a coffin and then filling it with roaches. This is this reminds me of the show. What was that show? Oh. Joe Rogan, Fear Factor. Yeah. It's like they saw Fear Factor and yeah. just implemented that stuff. Yeah, brutal. Yeah, total sadists who and they charged the government Millions 80 million dollars. dollars for this this terrible stuff and they but the the people they showed in the CIA were okay so um Michael T Hall 
Is that his Michael C. Hall. Michael C. Hall. Who I love yeah. usually. I mean, he, I love him, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, best but known for Dexter. Watch- Oh, best known for Six Feet Under. Yeah, Six Feet Under. Yeah, I know. I love him from that, too. And then I did watch a bunch of seasons of Dexter, too, which is, I guess goes along with my Walking Dead. <laughs> and then it, it got, hits a certain point, and I'm like, I can't watch these murders anymore. But uh, it was just a little bit funny that he was cast in that after, like, his best-known role as a serial killer. And when they're going over the legal justification for the torture, like he has this glint in his eye, this sadistic mm-hmm. glint in his eye. Yes, okay. and also just as like an evil lawyer, you know. He, yeah, he's the he's the lawyer for the CIA. So the CIA keeps pushing back against the report and delaying it and finding all this reasoning why it shouldn't be published. And yeah, and he's kind of the mouthpiece of that. Yeah, it's it's just hard to understand when. People are acting in ways where it seems like they're clearly the bad guy. And Trump supporters storming the Capitol. And they they love Adolf Hitler with sweatshirts that are about the Holocaust, making jokes about it, and supporting it. Like, you're so clearly the bad guys, yet you just own that, and you're like, I am bad. and that Or... Or you think it's right. I, I just can't quite figure that out. I don't know. Did you, were you thinking at all about Adam Driver's own personal story in relationship to this role? With uh, the military? Yeah. I just, I'm sure that that played into the casting, but, you know, he joined the Marines right after 9-11, so there's a nice, mm, mm-hmm. nice tie-in to that sort of commitment and intensity and to the Dan Jones character. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that it was right after 9-11. Yeah. I feel like 9-11, my life changed after that just because I was a freelancer working at a design firm, but I worked there long, for a long time. And then after that, everything just froze up and we didn't have any work. And so I wasn't working. And then my business partner and I started a business, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, it was a marker. I remember that day so clearly. Yeah. And I, I had already planned a trip to New York that was in October after September 11th. So, I mean, the dust was in the air. People were wearing masks. It was a very traumatizing time. And I, I was explaining it to my daughters and about what happened and just how a lot of things changed, especially with flying. Yeah. yeah. I hate to destroy, you know, their innocence of just these horrible acts that human beings do to each other, they're going to learn about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. It just seems so disingenuous the way that they kept justifying everything because I, as if, as if the people who are creating these enhanced techniques of interrogation or whatever you want to call them, as though they were the only people that were really experiencing or wanting to change things after 9-11 because we were all changed by it. So, yeah, it just, it was painful to watch and that's the whole paradigm of republicans being like we have to be the grown-ups and do the, and the hard we have to put thing. on our big boy pants that's yeah. what the head of the cia said which he did actually say yeah uh, yeah i hate that expression but oh yeah and always in service to doing something horrible and sadistic and and then the democrats come in and have to fix it and it's just this and stupid American drama we keep yeah. playing over and over again, and we're completely in it now, too. Yeah, absolutely. 
Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the other actors, some of the other characters that we saw? Because I thought there were a lot of great actors in this one. Great cast. I like Maura Tierney. Are you a fan of her? I do like her. I hated her character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was a bad CIA person who went along with it. She called the, I, the plan a game changer yeah. in the beginning. So her character's was... name is Bernadette. Yeah, is that a pseudonym or is that a... So I did a little research on this, and this kind of gets to one of the outcomes of the, the movie, too. She, she's kind of a composite character of a lot of different CIA people, but a lot of people think she's modeled on Gina Haspel, who was the head of the CIA under Donald Trump. And I don't know if you remember her hearings, but okay. she was clearly privy to information about enhanced interrogation techniques. Because at the end, they flashed up, you know, some... They said one of the people was promoted to the head of the CIA, so that's who they're referring to. Probably. Yeah, I mean, everyone who was involved in it failed up. No one had any um, accountability for it all. It was just like if you can say, well, September 11th, then you can, you basically had a license to do, to do anything. Yeah, yeah. I loved, I, I love Maura Tierney. I think she's great. I will say, just to mention hair for a minute, her dye job, not good. Oh, okay. Hair too dark. Too dark. Okay, yeah. I didn't notice. I had a oh, I not noticed. to not to like be too about the physical things. She's completely beautiful, but something about her, <laughs> the way she holds her mouth. There was a lot of scenes uh-huh. with her. She would be looking up at a TV in the CIA. They seem to be always based on TV, looking up at monitors and TVs and this I funny expression. If she had some work done because her lips look kind of pouty to me in a weird way. Here's a here's a word of advice from someone who knows nothing about plastic surgery. But if you're just avoid doing anything to your lips because it looks it always looks weird unless there's good versions of it that you don't notice. But when it's bad, you notice it and you look terrible. Yeah. And like you can't stop staring at someone like if their plastic surgery is off. Also, for men, when men do things to their eyes mm-hmm. and it like takes wrinkles off or something, but then it makes their eyes look really funny. Like Lionel Richie now. Oh, sad. His or like Simon Cowell. A lot oh, of. Yeah. Oh, and you know. Springsteen, even, you can see. I think his is pretty good, but you can see that there's been some careful work done there. I think Rob Lowe maybe has done it. I don't know. Yeah. Just something funny about their eyes. I don't know. Some plastic surgery, if done in a very subtle way, but you just never know how it's going to turn out. Mm-hmm. I so. know. I feel the same, and I also noticed her weird lips. But she's great. She's she's good in it. I mean, she's a good bad guy. I want to. Did you watch the show The Affair? No, because a kid dies at the beginning, and yeah, I, yeah. I didn't. I, yes, like, it's it was, hard when I you have little kids. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a really good show. Is she I in did that? Watch. Yes, yeah. She's uh, the wife of the guy. Oh. Yeah, there's a bunch of seasons of it. And I'm there's like, one season that's really hard to watch where the main guy, I know. Dominic. I love What's him. his name? I don't. West. Dominic West. Dominic West, yeah. Where he, like, really goes off the deep end. And it's hard to watch. But I stuck it out till the end. And I, I watched the final season, like, in the beginning of the pandemic. It was such an emotional vulnerable time like I was Mm -hmm. very Mm -hmm. very into it and I feel like it had something to do with what we were going through I was just sort of you're going day to getting through the day and then the fair I was just thinking about that Mm -hmm. show a lot so Mm -hmm. it was a little crutch of a special feeling about it yeah I felt that (laughs) way I watched Orange is the New Black when I was on maternity leave and I was 
very into it, but also it made me feel weird. So I, it, those, those times when your, your emotions and your hormones are, there's a lot of feelings that yeah. it, like, it hits, it gets into this part of you, your heart that. Yeah, it's a part of you. And yeah, that show, I also had to jump off, jump ship on that show when there's a beloved character that gets killed. Do you know what I mean? That's when I stopped watching Orange is the New Black. Me when, too. When I'm Puse like, I can't. got killed. Did you? Yeah. What, what's her name? Pusey. Remember? She's she the, had like short hair, yeah. bald hair. Yeah. She's yes. kind of and um, she's in soft-hearted. Hand, hand yeah. Yeah. Tail. yeah. Yeah. So shows, I, I feel like the violence always gets amped up. As shows go on, mm-hmm. but then then they hit a point where I have to stop watching it because they just amp it up too far. Yeah, I think you don't do that. You instead just go more into the the character development. Yeah. I think yeah. if you want to keep someone watching your show, I felt that way about Scandal too. Did you ever watch Scandal? No, I watched one uh, like one <laughs> episode. Show just totally went off the deep end. But, yeah, <laughs> I couldn't watch it because uh, so when my kids were little, I had have twins and they never slept and I never slept for a year for like a couple years and even after they started sleeping more then I developed a sleep disorder and I couldn't fall asleep so there were like four or five years of my life where I had no sleep and I became so sensitive like I couldn't watch a show that was loud or that had fast cutting and stuff Mm -hmm. like that it almost I felt like I had I had a disorder like it was giving me epilepsy Everything yeah. had to be more calm for me to tolerate it at all. I couldn't, just couldn't tolerate anything. So I watched oh. part of Scandal, and it was like, shoo, yeah, shoo, 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 music, and I couldn't watch anything like that. Like, I could watch Baking Show. That's what I was wondering Something like that. Something like that. like, calming. Yes, and I feel I have so much love for that show. Oh, and then there was a craft show that came out with Amy Poehler. And yeah. the other... And Joel the, and I watched that, too, with Nick... Um, Offerman. Nick Offerman, yeah. And I wanted it to be better than it was. I watched one episode, and I'm like, it's no baking show. And there was a no. lot of transitions that were like, pew, 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 and like flashing things. I'm, I'm like, I hate the flashing. Also, the projects were stupid. It was so just like, stupid. it could have been good. They should have just done a straight ripoff of baking show yeah. instead of making it an American version, which yeah. I hate. Like, did you see Marie Kondo's show? Yes. And I love her. I love okay. Taiying. Yeah. And I thought it was a piece of garbage show. Really? Did you I liked like it? it? We liked it. Yeah. I was really um, inspired by it. Oh. I redid my entire closet because of that show. That's and great. And I don't ever want to read the book, though. Oh. But side It's side fun to read and Marie quick. Kondo, I just want everybody to know she's not telling you to throw out your books. And I hate it when people lose their mind because they think she's trying to make them throw out their books. So I just want to say... You don't have to throw your, out your books if they spark joy. Right, right. But I want to throw out all my books, by the way. I just, I don't want them anymore. Do I'm it. I, I'm all for throwing my out books. My husband won't let me. It's the easiest thing to get rid of because you can always get them again. Unless this is out of print. Libraries exist. The, yeah, I mean, I, I love the library. If the library has this, I also never read a book twice. So I know that about myself. And yeah. once I'm done with it, if I did buy it or if someone gave it to me, I would probably just give it away. If you move, books are the heaviest thing. I know, thing. it's the they stupidest just thing. gather dust. And, and then there are the category of books that you think you're going to read someday, but you never no. are. And if the library has it, you don't need it taking up space. Completely agree. In your house. So I think books, and I'm a, a lover of books. Me too. And they're the easiest thing to get rid of. 
because they're so Hard easy to get for free. I know. So, yeah. And if you're listening easy. to this in the Twin Cities area, if you're looking for someone to take your books away, my friend Paul Dickinson will come to your house and take your books and resell them. And then you're helping a poet and you get rid of your books. So, Paul Dickinson, look him up. Yeah, Paul D., Maybe we'll have you on the show sometime. I would love that. Because you were he was in a movie with... Yes, he so. was. He was in a movie with Ray with the Sad Eyes from Girls, the Russian one. I can't remember his name. But anyway, yes. So he is one step away from Adam Driver. So I don't know if that means he has any like inside gossip about Probably. Adam Driver. Oh, okay. Well, Paul D. is full of gossip. He has plenty of inside gossip about Ray with the Sad Eyes from Girls. Oh, great. I I heard him on a podcast, and I liked him a lot. Yeah. And he talked about his parents were immigrants yeah. from Russia. Yep. And like, he speaks we, Russian in the movie that he's in with Paul. You know, I think that's really uh, endearing when... And I had I had a boyfriend in my 20s who was, like, from Poland, and so he would speak to his parents in Polish, and, mm-hmm. and I liked that a lot. Yeah. Um, and I had a friend in college who was Russian, too, and speak, you'd hear the phone conversations... It's just cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but he was talking about like when his parents were growing up, their the famine was so bad that they were like cannibals. They were afraid of cannibals. They'd say, "Don't go out at night," and they suspected if anyone was not like super skinny, they were suspected of being cannibals. Oh my god! Because what they were going through was so terrible in Russia. Jesus. Anyway, Adam Driver reminds me of him. Alex Karpovsky. Okay, Alex Karpovsky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Adam Driver reminds me of him. I mean, the way they talk, or they're kind yeah. of similar. Yes, which gets me to, I think we should save some time at the end to talk about upcoming episode possibilities, because I love the episode where they go to Staten Island together to return this dog, and they have this really, they're just kind of a funny pair, and... My last thing that I'll say about Oz Karpovsky is another reason I have a soft spot for him is I'm pretty sure he has a cleft palate because he has a scar oh. on his lip. The same, my dad had a cleft palate, or mm. he has a cleft palate, and so I always have a soft spot for Oh, yeah, me too. So. Um, my best friend in, starting in sixth grade, my best friend in high school had one too. She was so self-conscious about it, but she was also so popular and cute, and yeah. it was adorable, but, I mean, she hated having it. But, yeah, yeah it's cute. I mean, a cute little scar... I know if it's yourself, yeah. people usually are very self-conscious. But just know that other people might find that really cute. I never noticed that. I think so. I mean, I don't actually know. We should probably... We can <laughs> maybe ask, it was a scar. We'll ask Paul. Okay. When we talk to him. Okay, so maybe we should just get back to the movie. Were there any other standout actors that you liked in it? Oh, well, Michael Reese. Is that his name? He was the New York Times reporter. Yeah, is his I name know. Michael? No, its name is Reese. Hang on, Matthew Reese. Yeah, I'm I sure think that's you're right. It. I like him. I didn't watch The Americans. I think because it was in that time, I couldn't watch loud movies yeah. <laughs> or loud shows. I didn't watch and, it either. But also a Girls alum. Oh, he is. Yes. What was he in? Who was he in Girls? Do you remember an American bitch? Do you remember that episode? No, you know I don't remember what? any of these episodes. Oh, okay. Adam Driver's not in it at all. Okay. It's like a what little happens? single one-act play where she 
she goes to talk to him because he wrote a really unflattering oh or she wrote a really mm-hmm. unflattering article about him uh-huh. and it it ends up being this whole thing about women and seduction and what is and isn't appropriate it came out before me too and they come do you remember it oh yeah and yeah he's like he's kind of like a woody allen kind of character yeah where i think that if his level of consent is if, yeah. if a woman enters his home or enters right. his space at all, that is consent to have sex. Yes. And it's just going to happen. Yes. The whole episode is fascinating from start to finish. And he lures her in. He's amazing in it. And that was one of my favorite. And I, went, I couldn't stop talking about it after I saw it. Yeah, that was really good. And it was sort of unclear if she was into it. Yep. Maybe some ambivalence there. He kind of seduces her and then kind of destroys her. It's it's such a good episode, and he's really a good villain in it. That was my first time that I'd ever seen him, really, and I, yeah. He must not have been on my radar at that point. Yeah, that was a really good thought-provoking episode. And, I mean, the classic scenario of an older man who's successful in his career, a younger woman protege wants to meet him, and this could be like helpful in her career, but then it just turns into he takes advantage of the situation for sex, and it's she not gets even for sex. It's to belittle her or dehumanize her, like the way he. It's so interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't realize. So he was in it as the New York Times reporter. Adam Driver, Dan Jones did not choose to leak to the New York Times. That was interesting. But he's sorely tempted. Yes, yeah, because it's such a long, frustrating process. What did you think of Annette Benning? Oh, yeah, I thought she was great. I did, too. Yes, really good. Yeah, she plays Diane Feinstein. So do, is it, do you think it's Diane Feinstein or Diane Feinstein? I, I think it's Feinstein, but I don't okay, really know. Okay, yeah, she was really good. And I, I had just heard on a You're Wrong About that she discovered Harvey Milk's body yeah. when he was murdered. She talks about that in the... It's mentioned in the movie, yeah. yeah. That's a good You're Wrong About episode. I can't remember all the details, so I just will refer. I have to listen to that one. Did you notice that Adam Driver's wife is in the movie? No. Who is she? She has a really bit part. Joanne Tucker is in it. She There's a part where he's sitting in the restaurant with his partner, his investigating partner. Uh-huh. And this woman is like, are you Dan Jones? Oh, yeah. Like, what your report is crap. And she yells at him. And it, it seems like maybe she works for the CIA. And she is on this whole thing about how the ends justify the means. So that's Joanne Tucker. That's his wife. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, I didn't know who she was. She looks sort of similar to a couple other characters. Yeah, I thought And so I too. thought... So she's this person in the CIA or, okay, that's a cool moment. What about we get to see Adam Driver jogging? Oh, so To cute. lighten it up a little bit. I thought that was fun. I was like, Dan Jones, you need to get out more. Like, please get some fresh air. And you can't, it seems like you cannot work in Washington, D.C. if you do not jog. I think that might be true. But I think real joggers call it running. So just <laughs> Jogging? Is that, that the 80s? There. The 80s term for running. Exactly. I just used to have a roommate who jogged, and he was like, it's not jogging, it's running. It's the ping pong slash table tennis. If yes. you're serious about it, it's table tennis. Yes. If you 
if you've seen it in someone's basement as a teenager, it's ping pong. Okay, he was running, yeah, with his headphones. So cute. And then he runs into John Hamm, I think, and they have a conversation at that point. Right. And he's this, like, solitary runner, and John Hamm is, like, on a bike ride with his friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's, can we talk about his hair for a second? Or yeah, you yeah. You, um, you share your thoughts first. So, I mean, it's pretty conservative haircut compared to some of his other roles where he has a lot longer hair. Mm -hmm. It's just long enough to cover his ears, mm -hmm. like the top half of his ears. Mm -hmm. There was one scene when he was in I, Diane Feinstein's office and he had like a big tablet and he was making circles and arrows and writing names and stuff, like kind of frantically. I felt like you could see more of his ear. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought that was cute. I liked his hair in that scene. Yeah. There's one scene, too, where he's just sitting. I think he's sitting in a courtroom or sitting in his office, and the, the camera kind of zooms in on the upper half of his face so you can see how thick and lush and shiny his hair is. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I appreciated that moment. There was some good shine mm -hmm. in this. This wasn't really a hair. His no. hair was not really a character in this movie. We got to see him wearing a lot of suits. Yep, and Cute. Mm -hmm. Cute. Yeah, I think he only wore suits and then the jogging outfit. <laughs> yeah, and he looked cute in that too, and also like a little pigeon toad. Yeah, yeah, uh, like a unique type of gait. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. In a good way, mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. One moment that stood out to me in the movie is when they killed Osama bin Laden, and mm -hmm. everyone thought, okay, so now Obama wins a second term. Yes. And I thought that too at the time, and yes. I don't think that was the case. It wasn't close enough to an election. I mean, he did win a second term, mm -hmm. but I don't, think, I don't think he really is credited with, or, you know, he took a lot of credit. I think he that. is. You think he I is? I feel like in all of the debates that came up. Okay. Do you think that is a big factor in, how, in why Obama won a second term? Well, knowing what we know now about the American public and the president... They're who, horrible. Yeah, yeah and uh -huh. the president who followed him, I am sure that that held a lot of sway with people. I don't think it held a lot of sway with people like you and me. Okay. But yeah. I think that was an important talking point because... It showed military power. Yeah. Yeah, and just final revenge for September 11th. Yeah. Don't, I mean, I think that's stuck in a lot of people's heads. Okay. Yeah, I thought that in the beginning, and they, I was reminded of it uh, by the movie, and then I didn't know. I mean, if it was a Republican who did it, you would never hear the end of that. Yes, that's true. So, yeah, any other moments in the The one thing I will say that, okay, actually I have two thoughts. One is, this is not Adam Driver related, but it's just like a reader versus a listener thing. We had the subtitles on while we were watching it, which we do a lot because I'm deaf. I never, I had this revelation that indictment and indictment uh -huh. are the same thing. Like when mm -hmm. I read indictment, <laughs> I don't read it as indictment. So that was one of my breakthrough moments. Yeah. Indictment. That's a great breakthrough. Yeah, I learned I a that. lot. Mm -hmm. And also on the subtitles, when they were voting, they would say yay. But on the subtitles, they spelled it Y-A-Y. <laughs> and it was so confusing to Yay. me. Yeah. 
It was funny. I remember when, I, I feel like I remember when Y-A-Y -A -Y became the spelling of yay. Because before it used to be Y-E-A-H. But that's so confusing because that's also like... Y-E-A. Yeah. Yeah. And then yay became such a word. I think with texting, with the yeah. rise of texting, uh -huh. I don't know, and you just need uh, need texting needs to be really upbeat to mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. sound mad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I text the word yay constantly every single day. I'm sure I texted it to you just I'm sure yesterday. I'm sure I texted probably. you, but to me, Y-A-Y <laughs> is a different word than Y-E-A. And it, yeah. I kept getting confused when they were voting and they were like, yay. You know, <laughs> yay. That's what I saw was, yay. Yeah, so, yay, Y-E-A is like, the and thou or something like yay and nay it's the uh, these old-fashioned terms mm -hmm. yeah left over from the the founding fathers or yes. something you know yeah. it's very colonial sounding very colonial mm -hmm. yeah as mm -hmm. as you would definitely know yes i, I care about the colonial era <laughs> but what i was gonna say is, oh and then i just wanted to ask you what did you think of Adam Driver's performance overall? Because my husband and I had kind of a little chit-chat about it, but you share your thoughts, and then maybe we can give it our calm rating. Yeah. I I have no complaints. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I thought it was great. There was a lot of uh, this room with fluorescent lighting, kind of greenish tinge, and I liked seeing him in that environment. Yes. Or, and as a manic, obsessive person fighting for good in the world. Mm -hmm. um, I had no problems with his performance. I thought it was I thought it was great and he I mean I think he's very good at doing a serious role. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. This was very serious. Yeah. I read something weird that the the screenwriter, his name Burns. Scott Z Burns. Mr. Burns, yeah. Scott Z Burns. His first concept of this movie was to make it kind of goofy like Stanley Kubrick's How I Love to, let's see, How I Learned to <laughs> Relax, <laughs> Dr. Strangelove. Oh, yeah. How I Learned to Relax and Love the Bomb or whatever. And it's mm -hmm. kind of madcap and weird. And yeah. that was his initial thought about this. But, I mean, this is about real torture of real people. So, I mean, I think as soon as he started, he realized that this had to be an absolutely as accurate as it could be um, serious movie. And it was accurate. Is mm -hmm. that what Adam Driver was saying? Do you find this? Yeah. He was well, in an interviews. He account? said they just worked really hard on making it as accurate as possible, understanding that it was a seven-year process, a 6,000-something page report, and they had to cut it down to, you know, two hours with a tight timeline. It was tricky. They kept, like, flashing up. The years yeah. and going back and forth. So seeing it a second sometimes. time was, yeah. it was helpful. Yeah. Well, maybe I can say, so when it ended, my husband said, well, he didn't really have to do a lot of acting. You know, he was just sitting there at a desk looking intense. And all the reviews I read were, you know, admiring this sort of intensity and this like leashed quality he had that he kept wanting to do more, but he mm -hmm. couldn't. But there was one interview that said, was he acting really well? Because he is just sitting at a desk. And there are several times where people say things like, you look tired. But when you look at him, he, he didn't really look tired, you know? <laughs> so, so, but I obviously, I thought he was adorable. And it also just reminded me that I heard a review of, do you remember the Phantom Thread? 
the Daniel Day-Lewis movie about a tailor, but it's kind of a psychological thriller. I never saw it, but I listened to somebody who was working with the director and the director was trying to build intensity. But in that movie, it's just a bunch of people sewing. And at one point, the director was like, sew faster, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I felt, I felt, I wondered if sometimes the director of this movie had to, had to say like type harder, you yeah, know, yeah, because yeah. there's only so many ways he can demonstrate his intensity that doesn't look goofy. Well, I think that's why they always have a lot of things pinned up to the wall, mm-hmm. and you can go over to the wall and put something on it as a way to walk around in and, a forceful way. Yeah, and it shows it's like a visual of what is in your head. You know, there's always. I mean, I thought it was certainly appropriate for the role. There weren't any, like, big crying scenes or anything, like in Marriage Story or, you know. He mm-hmm. doesn't sing or anything, but that's just not going to happen in a movie like yeah. this. Yeah, and I actually think being that restrained person is probably, what do I know, because I'm not an actor, but it's probably harder than being the very emotional. Mm-hmm. Hamming it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. John hamming it up. I'm John Ham. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would, that would be so funny if. Anyone was hamming it up in this movie, in a very serious government CIA movie. Yes, yes. So how many combs would you give it? I'm going to give it five combs. Really? Yeah. You know, okay, one one thing I'm not sure about, just with the movie in general, I mean, they showed quite a bit of torture. Yes. I mean, that's what it was about. I think you have to show a lot more. Some. They could have shown a lot. Yeah, they could have shown a lot more. I'm just not sure. I mean, it was just so horrible. Just like, where's the line where it's exploitative violence or something? But I think it was probably the right amount. I felt, I didn't feel that it was exploitative because if you, the whole movie, it felt like it was about two hours long. I have no idea how long it was. It was pretty long. I think longer than that. Yeah, there was a lot more footage, I felt, of people talking in offices and Mm -hmm. then constantly looking at computers. I felt like the... The torture punctuated some of the conversation. And honestly, for me, I I don't, I like I said, I still don't really understand how waterboarding works. Not that I want to, but for me, it was useful to see that because mm-hmm. I didn't know, I didn't know what it was. Or the, you know, they, they go through this, pa- I wondered if this PowerPoint really existed at the beginning when they were talking mm-hmm. about it. And they show all the different types of I know, the coffin and the bug, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I... I need, or these wall stands that they had them do, I didn't understand that until I saw it. Right, yeah, and these are real things that happen to people and that people did, and so it is bearing witness to that. I mean, you need to understand and feel feel horrible about it. I did feel horrible about it. So I'll give it a five comb. All right, I'm going to give it a three comb. A three comb. Because his hair was not the best hair although it was what it had to be but also it was it it was a it was a good movie but it wasn't I don't I felt like he didn't really have it I wanted it to build to a bigger finish and come down and I know it couldn't do that and I think that was just a condition of the subject matter but it just I'm just not going to give it a five for some cinematic quality because it was a lot of procedure and less drama and a satisfying conclusion it's a movie that more you feel like you watch almost like a documentary too yeah it's like you're taking your vitamins yeah, you're learning about something it's not like 
you're swept up in the cinematic experience. Exactly. For sure. Exactly. Yeah, there weren't those highs and lows. And there shouldn't have been. You know, and it is kind of anticlimactic because yes, there's no enhanced interrogation techniques, but the point they made is nobody was in trouble for it afterwards. And so a lot of those people are still working in the government and it's awful. Yes. It's terrible. So yeah. So awesome. let's talk about, you know, what we're thinking for the future. Yeah. So I think we've kicked around some ideas that aren't necessarily about one movie or another movie, but what what are your thoughts? I'm thinking we do the heavy hitters in okay. the beginning. I'm feeling a swelling of, that sounds gross, Black Klansman. I love that movie. I, I, I mean, it's such a great movie and role in Adam Driver experience. I feel like we have to totally get there. So maybe next time yes. we should do Black Klansman. But then but then I'm not sure about after that. So we have a few heavy hitters that we've gotta get in there. We've gotta get that one. I'm I think I'm coming around to being able to watch the marriage story. Maybe you've seen enough clips that you kind of like inoculated yeah. yourself enough that you can that you can watch it. I think I'm ready. And then, you know, at some point we're going to have to revisit Kylo Ren. Oh, absolutely. And I, of course, I, I'm excited about that. And you, you'll do it as a grudgingly. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I, I will. Then I also, one, I want to give a shout out to one of my coworkers, Carolyn, who sent us a fun link to a special guest appearance that Adam Driver did early in his career, I think on Law & Order. Yeah. And I did start looking at all of these little parts he had along the way. And like a lot of working actors, he, you know, he was on Law and Order. He did a part. He probably was on CSI at some point. So I would love to do an episode where we look at some of those early parts Mm -hmm. and kind of share our thoughts on those. Yeah, that sounds great. And also, uh, whenever I talk about Designated Driver, the thing people always bring up to me is the John Oliver bit mm-hmm. that he does. And I haven't seen, but I've heard about it many times, about his attraction to Adam Driver or whatever. So, I mean, that seems like a, a thing that people know about for sure. Totally. We could definitely driver wise. that. Yeah. And then what about special guests? What do you mean? Oh, having them. Yeah. Sure, of course. Yeah. yeah. So the more the merrier. For the marriage story episode, my boss's daughter, Delaney, apparently does a spot-on Adam Driver impression. So maybe we could patch oh, her in. Okay, that sounds that sounds fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I've got some more microphones, too. All right. To add to this garage scenario. I had another special... Oh, yeah, we'll have Paul D. Mm-hmm. at some point. And, and hey, everyone out there, if you had a, have an Adam Driver perspective to share, maybe you're one of our future special guests. You don't need to be special... You don't need to be a reporter and, special. or an expert because we're just regular people talking about Adam Driver. But if you have opinions <laughs> about his hair, we want to hear from you. Yeah. All right. I think I think we maybe are wrapping up this episode. We're all business today. Yeah. We got things to do. Today is the last day the roller garden is open. It closes oh. after today and my heart is broken and will be broken forever. We're losing our the best roller skating rink in the Twin Cities. And in some ways also that it was a, a key moment in your relationship with your now husband, right? Yes, that's where we first saw each other. Did you skate together? No, that's where we just spied each other. Oh. We both used to go skating there, and he would be in the middle kind of like with his friends. Like they went every week and we were kind of doing tricks. And I can't do any tricks, but I can skate forwards pretty fast. 
<laughs> and I can turn and I don't usually fall. But I mean, I had seen my life rolling out, always going there and with the kids. So I really think we need a new rink if mm-hmm. we can't have that one. I think St. Louis Park should have named this a landmark and kept it going. Mm-hmm. I think they were part of, they wouldn't let the owners sell it to someone else who would keep it as oh, a rink. That's a bummer. I just think it's a community space and a thing that we need. And we need we need these again. They're like going extinct. Yeah. Are you going to go skating today? Yeah, we're going to go today too. I'm sorry. Oh, I know. It's so sad. We've lost... Things we've lost with the pandemic. This is the one I'm not going to... You're never going to get over it. I'm not going to get over it. I mean, we've lost... I mean, so many things in our neighborhood with the fires. Gandhi Mahal Mm -hmm. is gone. And just other restaurants and things that have closed. Yeah. So you can say to yourself, well, maybe there'll be another Indian restaurant or a new sushi place that will open up. And now at this point, I'm just like, I can't get over it. I'm sorry. I'm just going to be done, you know. Yeah. So that's happening today. Maybe someday Adam Driver will be in a movie where he roller skates. I would love to see that. I think he might roller skate in Girls. Really? I'm going to look it up. Oh, yes. Stay tuned, listeners. Yeah, and if anyone wants to join with me in opening a new roller rink, I'm there. I don't know what needs to happen, but it needs to happen. Well, on that note. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening to Designated Driver. Yeah, thank you. I'm, oh, I was going to say, I'm Aaliyah. And Wait, I'm, do we say our names at the end? I think we don't usually say them at the, at the end. What could our sign-off be? May the force be with you? <laughs> <laughs> mm. Anything about the report? The truth is out there. Okay. Uh, yes. Tune in next time for Black Clansman. Yeah. Yeah. Yay.